Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today and a promo code 4 for 4 Receive a risk-free $1,000 bet. Joining me in the space as always, Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Uh, hold on here. I think that did producer Sal put a picture of Pano's face in the O of Move the Line on the video? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, we're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Well, Easter just, egg? I missed it. Yeah, you were looking down. I was all of a sudden looked up and there's just Pano's ugly mug, you know, in the middle of our shot. I don't know what, the, what was that. All right, well, we'll have to go back and look at that. I'm good though. I'm, I'm doing well. You know, another great week of football upon us. Uh, Pano got a shout out last week for, you know, I think on the prop show for dragging our intro music. He does not like the, uh, you know, he's a dad. He's an old dad. Uh, he was busy just pumping out kids and listening to like old school Italian music. He can't handle any <laughs> anything that involves dropping a beat or anything like that. So uh, shout out to Pano. Uh, you got a little Easter egg there. Um, excited to top shot this week. Joining us from the Action Network, wrote of his radio. Uh, absolutely love this guy's work and excited to top shot. We, ha- we had him on a couple years ago. Uh, it is Mike Randall at Randall Rants on Twitter. What's going on, buddy? Gentlemen, thrilled to be here talking a little football. I mean, this is high tech. The stuff we got the music, we got everything going on, and I was able able to fit in Survivor. I mean, it's been it's just a wonderful night so far. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so you're an OG Survivor guy, right? Oh yeah. Then my uh, cousin Jerry and I saw the first one in Bermuda. I mean, can you uh, watching Survivor in Bermuda? What's better than that? Uh, when that I forget who it was said that whole thing about if I were to see you starving in the middle of the desert, I wouldn't even give you water. I mean, how do you not <laughs> love the show after that? Yeah, give me uh, it's it's hard. A lot of seasons, right? We're dealing with like thirty some seasons now, maybe even close to forty. I want to say maybe. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Uh, favorite favorite uh, cast member ever. Oh God, you know it's hard I, to limit to one. It is hard to to limit to one. I I love. Listen, I'm a New Jersey guy. So I love what's his name who won the two seasons was climbing in the tree. What's his name? I, the, the, the Tony, 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 right? Okay. You know, and I think I saw, I was starstruck. It's like one of the few times I was starstruck besides seeing Curtis Martin at Sesame place, who by the way, has enormous arms when he was sitting there with his kid <laughs> Sesame place. But I saw Tony in like a mall and I froze because I, how do I not say hi to him? But yeah, he, I love the competition with him, right? That's what it's about. Climbing trees, sneaking behind stuff. You respect him. Yeah. I don't know how they didn't get that guy out like right away in the first, of course. That, that first season. It's like that dude's gonna win if you hang around. Yeah. Poverty is the same. Like he, he could, it was a different style. He could play a different way yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. But she was always a lot of fun. Of so. course. Sorry, Connor. This is a boomer conversations. For yeah, the, he doesn't know the old guys. About. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, this is this is not for him. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But you, we are doing it now. Also on YouTube, Mike said we've upgraded high tech stuff. You can uh, listen to two shows now, two shows a week. This is our Wednesday game by game breakdown. We'll get a little bit more hand in the dirt football guy here. Uh, and then we also do a prop show on Friday. Where we're digging into a little bit of the prop market there uh, available both in YouTube and podcast as well. Uh, so subscribe wherever you are. Take a look for those. Also head over to 444.com slash plans. You can check out uh, our betting sub. We slash the price. It is down to $134 for the rest of the season. That gets you everything on 444.com. All of our season-long stuff, DFS, everything you could possibly get. Uh, The betting sub is going to carry you through the end of the Super Bowl, so you'll be able to catch some golf stuff on on there. uh, NBA coming shortly as well, so absolutely great deal. If you have uh, prize picks, again, head over to 444.com slash plans. You can find out how to sign up for prize picks and get it for even cheaper. So, all right, gentlemen, we are uh, finally to the meat and potatoes part of the schedule. We got some buys this week. We got Atlanta, New Orleans, the Jets, and the Niners taking the week off, which is good. Lightens the load for us a little bit. Um, four division winners so far uh, from last year, under 500 heading into week six, which is just crazy how the NFL works. Uh, week five, good week for the favorites, good week for overs. Dogs, though, when they are covering, still winning outright at a crazy rate. So if you're looking to take some points, back that dog on the money line, especially when you're under a touchdown, uh, probably a pretty significantly plus EV bet over the long haul. So uh, let's dig into it. We'll start with the first game. Miami on the road in London against Jacksonville here. Uh, Miami three-point favorites, total 46 and a half. We're just being assholes now, guys, at this point to our friends overseas in London. First, we give them the Jets and the Falcons, and now we send them these Florida bums, uh, Miami and Jacksonville here. Really realistic look 
for a win, last maybe win on the schedule for either of these teams. Though, uh, Connor, your boy, too, is back here. Talk to me about this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. I think that both these teams have largely been just so bad. Uh, I mean, this number is about right. I think that you know, if, if Tua wasn't there, I would probably actually have it uh, closer to um, a pick em, to be honest, just because, like, Miami's offense has been dreadful. Uh, I do think that I do think that two is a little bit of an upgrade, but uh, Jacksonville, um, you know, technically, you know, would have been would have been at home, would have had some a little bit of home field advantage, I guess. But that doesn't even exist now. They're in London. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think for me, it's probably lean Jacksonville at, at three, but not, I guess probably, honestly, just stay away. Like, I don't really know what we're going to expect from either team. Yes, yeah, is not a uh, not a fun one. Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? The favorites in the London game, 19 and 10 against the spread. That's 66%. I think Vegas is still waiting for Jacksonville to win. But newsflash, I don't think they want to win for this coach. I would be shocked if Urban Meyer is still the coach after the bye week. I think he's dead man walking. Jacksonville's just dreadful on defense. 31st overall DVOA per football outsiders. Only the Chiefs are worse. I like that Miles Gaskin came alive last week. Overall PPR, RB2. I get that the Dolphins aren't great, but I think Brian Flores is going to prepare his team better going across the pond here. I like that it got down to three. It was at three and a half. I'm also going to go with the under guys. Jags and Miami both slow in pace of play, neutral game scripts. No Will Fuller for Miami, no DJ Chark for Jacksonville. I think it's a slow slog, but I just don't see the Jaguars' impetus here to be motivated. And I think Miami is the better coach team. Tua comes back, a little spark. I'll take Miami. Yeah, Jags offense played better last week than I think the score would indicate. Again, moving the ball pretty well against the Titans, oh, 450 total yards. They completely neglected LaVisca Chenault, who we were banking on for Great. a nice solid day last week. His role changed in a big way, moving to the outside from the slot. But uh, low-key, great rushing offense from Jacksonville. The offensive lines played really well. Uh, they just, they're never in a game script, even neutral game script, where they can really lean on that. I mean, um, even... That, like you said, there's really nothing good going on defensively here. So yeah, I think it's a great spot for Miami's pass catchers, kind of like Mike pointed out. We're going to have to kind of wait and see what's going on with the injury report. Like we know Will Fuller's out. Devontae Parker kind of still dealing with a hamstring. I think he did not practice today. Again, kind of a, a rough spot. So I get the under, especially 46 and a half seems a little high. Um, no bets for me currently in this spot. But again, this is one that you just kind of you're wiping the sleepies out of your eyes, hoping you don't have too much action. You're not too overexposed and you're getting ready for uh, the main Sunday slate. It's I kind of like the London games, honestly, because I get to like kind of have some football in the background while I'm preparing for the main slate, you know, and then like probably we'll have a prop on this or something or another, you know, and they can kind of get a little sweat in, even though the game itself is terrible. You know, we're not missing much by not paying full attention. That's true. We haven't gone a week without a Jalen Waddle prop. So I imagine that pops itself up here at some point here in the you know coming days, receptions or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what does pop at. I'm, I'm interested. You know, I'm always interested. Now with Tua back, I think that there I mean it could be an interesting buying opportunity in Miami if, if you're still on board. Like I mean if you look at who he played, he played against the Bills and the Patriots early on in the season. Uh and so you know obviously those are two tough matchups at least we thought the Patriots were a tough matchup. Uh you know well we can get more into that later. But slow down buddy. Slow down. <laughs> All right, the next game, Kansas City on the road against Washington. Uh, Seven-point favorites on the road for the Chiefs. 55-and-a-half is the total over at Winbet. Sky is falling in Kansas City. The Chiefs somehow 2-3, and three, which is completely unheard of in the Pat Mahomes era. Uh, according to Football Outsiders, they are now the eighth worst defense ever tracked by DVOA through the first five games of a season. That dates back to 1983. That is a significant sample uh, and a pretty horrible defense. We talked about it, Connor, at length in the preseason. Where, and I think you had some really nice overs on, you know, Mahomes, I mean, alt overs and passing yards and things like this. Where we thought there might be a scenario where they're not going to be able to take their foot off the gas because their defense isn't going to allow them to. They probably weren't going to be in a position to have a buy uh, heading into that Week 18 game because of their defense. And it's been even worse than I think that we thought it would be. Um, Offensively, though, 31st in turnover per play. Like, you can't do that. That has really been their undoing. As good as their offense has been, they've been turning it over. And that was a big problem for them against the Bills the other night. I think, though, writing this team off is obviously silly. They play the hardest schedule in the league so far. They faced a top-four schedule in terms of opposing defenses and a top-two schedule in terms of opposing offenses. Uh, they still rank first across the board in all the key metrics offensively. 
We know that's more sticky than defense, Mike. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Listen, if you think the Chiefs are going to lose four to five, go ahead. I think this is a great teaser game. It was even at six and a half, which I like even better. Mm -hmm. Casey, one and four against the spread. One of the most disappointing units, guys, for me, maybe the most this year, has been the Washington defense. 28th in DVOA, ninth against the run. You're going to let the Chiefs pass all over you. I just don't see how they all of a sudden find it when they couldn't find it against New Orleans. My main issue is Taylor Heineke. Two interceptions against the Saints, no turnovers. If this was Fitzmagic, I would love Washington as a live dog here. I think if they had Fitzmagic, they're four and one instead of two and three. I think it's a great teaser. And you mentioned it brutal slate of opponents for the Chiefs. Browns are a legitimate contender. Ravens, another contender. Chargers, another contender. They hung 42 on Philly. They lost to Buffalo, which may be the best team in the NFL. I think they can beat up on a struggling Washington team here. I don't see them losing three or four and falling to two and four overall. I can't. I'm just going to end up taking the Chiefs. I'll lay the points. As far as the over-under, I mean, let's see the points just go up here on the board. I, the, the, the Washington would have to get a defense going to keep this game close and to have a chance. I just think the Chiefs are going to be angry and will call a shot. I think it's going to be a similar game to Philadelphia, like a 40-20 game. Yeah, these teams are bottom two in points allowed per drive. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I like the over a lot. I think that this is – I mean, the way this game sets up, both teams are playing at a fast pace. Both their defenses have been terrible, as you guys mentioned, bottom five. I mean, the Chiefs team total right now at 31.5 feels low, all things considered. Like, you know, I think that they're – a uh, very good bet to bet score 35 plus points. And I'll probably buy on some alt overs for maybe not even this game or maybe a team total or, you know, some of those, because I really think that the chiefs here now, you know, playing with their backs up against the wall in some sense, uh, you know, really have to prove themselves. And so while maybe that doesn't translate to defense because they don't have the talent, I think the offense is more than capable of exposing this Washington defense. Uh, so yeah, I, I like them at six and a half. I like their team total over um, and I would play the over, but I, you know, my, I do a little concern about Heineke, as you mentioned, um, but again, I would lean towards the over because I think the Chiefs can score 40 themselves. So, you know, getting 17 plus out of Washington there is, should not be an issue. Yeah, really uneven game for Heineke last week. He'd be kind of a good fantasy guy, but, you know, to Mike's point, like not really a great efficient quarterback protecting the ball, uh, taking a lot of chances. They're going to need to really be in a 38-35 shootout to even be live here. So I think the over is a really nice play. One thing that's complicating things here a little bit for Kansas City, I think they'll probably, this is not a spot where it's going to affect them a ton, but a little banged up. I mean, we know CEH is going to miss some time. Joe Thune fractured his hand last week. It seems like Tyreek is dealing with a knee injury. He rested today. It's hard to take Wednesday injury reports, you know, really seriously. You see a lot of veteran rest days, but there could be something there with Tyreek. Um, again, I don't know this is a spot where they're punished for it per se, but uh, something to definitely look down the road, uh, especially as they're trying to now fight for a division, which everyone thought was locked up. But, uh, you know, fantasies could be a really nice spot for you know, McClure and, and Ricky Seals-Jones, who really kind of stepped into a kind of an alpha workload at the tight end position last week with, uh, you know, with Logan Thomas going down. So yeah, give me the yeah. points in this one, though, too. You know, give me over on this, on the Chiefs especially. But I think the, I think the Washington football team does enough to, to push the, the total over. The RSJ props, you know, whenever those drop, I'll be interested in that for sure to, to see what that is at because the game state, you know, like as we said, and he ran, I think he played like 87% of snaps and like that and he's running a ton of routes, got a bunch of targets. So I think I'm, I'm interested in the over there. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. All right, next, Minnesota on the road against the Panthers. This is moved to a pick over at win. 46 and a half is the total. Panthers set to get Christian McCaffrey back this week. That's obviously going to help. Got off to a nice 3-0 start. Have lost two straight. Defensively, they played pretty well against the Eagles in Week Five. A few late turnovers created some short fields for Philly, and they took advantage of that. Vikings could not get anything going offensively for the second straight week. Struggling against the Browns' defense makes a lot of sense, but uh, against the Lions, it's, it's just kind of weird. I mean, I feel like Cousins has done a great job avoiding sacks this season, which is really strange considering how much pressure the Vikings are allowing. The second highest rate in the league. Uh, Carolina leads the league in adjusted sack rate and pressure rate. Um, I think he's in for a, a busy day. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? I actually like the Vikings. The line opened at three. It's now dropped despite the overwhelming amount of bets and money coming in on the Panthers. 
I think the Panthers are slightly overvalued and the Vikings are undervalued. I've had, guys, full disclosure, some odd attachment to Minnesota this year. I think they're close to being 4-1. and one. They should have beat Arizona. They came back against Cincinnati in week one also. They do need Dalvin Cook back for sure, but if they get him back, I think they can do some things here against the Panthers. I'm still a believer in Sam Darnold. I was on the train before. I still think he's been criticized because he saw ghosts. He said, I see ghosts, three words. But if you had a guy who was 24 years old, with that sort of draft capital and those sort of weapons, I thought he was definitely going to be a QB1. But in this game, I do like Minnesota. I think they're well coached. And I think But when all is said and done, they're going to make a statement here in the NFC. So I like them as a live dog. I just think Carolina showed some things losing to Philadelphia last week. And I think the Vikings can take advantage. I think they're going to get on a run. I have no feeling for the over-under, but I do like the Vikings here to upset Carolina. Nice. I don't have a feeling for the side, but I have a feeling for the over-under, which I think is interesting. I think 46 and a half is too many. Um, really, there's been one game for the Panthers all season that has reached this total. That was the game where they got just boat raced by the Cowboys. Everything else has been comfortably under, in, uh, you know, under 40, 42, I think it was. Uh, and then we've seen Minnesota. Sometimes they just are so slow paced, uh, kind of working closer to the key number. I was kind of waiting for a 47. Uh, but I think we're moving the other way. So I, I took an under position on this today. Uh, Connor, what are your leans in this game? Uh, yeah, I like that under. Uh, but I, I just don't really know what to make of this Panthers team. So, I mean, if you kind of look at their resume so far, uh, I mean, they beat the Jets and then they beat the Texans and they have a, a win against the Saints, which is, I don't know. You know, I still don't really know what to make of the Saints either. But then, you know, they have a loss to the Cowboys and a loss to the Eagles. So, I mean, really, who have they played and, like, actually had good success against offensively and, and – in general, like not really anyone decent. And, you know, even, even defensively, I mean, they've looked good at times, but now without JC Horn, uh, last two games, giving up 36 uh, to the Cowboys and, you know, 21 to the Eagles. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of this team yet. I think that they're, they have potential, but I, I'm not sold on them being the defensive juggernaut that their metrics suggest, which is, you know, like second in DVOA, like second in EPA. Um, I think they're good. I just don't think that they're that good. And so, um, I don't know. I, I would still lean towards the under here, though, for a lot of the reasons you said. I'm just not entirely sold on them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's – I don't have a great feel for it. Mike makes a compelling case for Minnesota here. They're, again, Panthers still going to be without J.C. Horn, as Connor mentioned. We're still a week away from Stephon Gilmore being activated. And if you're into these things, you know, football outsiders tracks defense versus opposing receivers. Um, as good as the Panthers' defense is popping as far as some of the metrics, as Connor outlined, they are dead last against opposing – wide receiver ones. And really we've seen that really emerge. That is def definitely Justin Jefferson. Now pretty clear delineage there in Minnesota. He's got like a 9% target bump over Thielen. Who's also dealing with an injury a little bit. So it could be a really nice spot for some, you know, Justin Jefferson overs. He probably eats in a big way. So, all right, next we have the Rams on the road against the giants who are catching 10 at home. 48 and a half is the total. I think when the best thing that happens to your football team in the week before involves someone who threw a punch at someone else who was wearing a helmet. Uh, things probably didn't go super well for your football team the week prior. Um, Giants went to Dallas that we thought and got absolutely destroyed. Missing two offensive linemen, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. In-game, they lost their quarterback, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. Uh, 30 Mike Glennon snaps went about as well as you would think that they would. Um, we don't know Daniel Jones' status as of this recording, he was running a little bit today in the side in practice. I feel like he could be clearing concussion protocol. Looks like they're going to get Sterling Shepard back as well. Uh, but again, Tony was a nice surprise. Like, what are they going to do as far as, you know, working him in the slot versus Sterling Shepard? I think that that's going to be an interesting thing here, Connor. What are your thoughts on this one? Ten's a lot. Yeah, ten is a ton of points. I mean, especially with Daniel Jones potentially playing. I think that, like, the over and, the, I mean, the Giants team total potentially if Daniel Jones plays is – I think a, a pretty good bet. I mean, they've been volatile, but I think that, you know, that they're, in a, they're in a decent spot here against the Rams defense, which, you know, hasn't been as good as, as you know, we'd like. But, the, I mean, the Giants defense, 28th right now, uh, and they've only played one top 10 offense in Dallas, who's, you know, fourth in DVOA, and they let up 44 points. Now they draw the Rams, who rank third in DVOA. They're coming off of a long week. So, I mean, 10 is a lot, but I think that the Rams can easily rack up 30-plus here. I like their team total over um, lean towards the over in this game if Daniel Jones plays. But, I mean, my my probably best bet here would be the Rams at 10 – or Rams uh, over team total. Also, I mean, I think it's it's almost time for me to take the L on Tony here. I mean, like we've took some unders on him. And, I mean, all of the receiving core got injured. But, 
Uh, I mean, he looks pretty good. And like, it, it almost does, you know, I tweeted out something comparing him to Odell Beckham. And I think that while he may not talent wise be Odell Beckham, like the situation that he came onto the league is pretty similar because like Beckham was injured for the first few weeks of his career. And then all of a sudden just like exploded onto the scene, like out of nowhere, you know, like everyone was down on him basically like coming into the season. And then now similar to Tony, he was just kind of buried in the depth chart dealing with COVID issues, a little bit banged up. And now all of a sudden it's just going nuclear, you know, with the attrition to the receiving core. So I don't know. I, I do think it is interesting for sure. And Tony's got to keep an eye on. Yeah. 54% uh, target rate last week. That's just insane. Like, like Devonte Adams type usage. So uh, Mike, any leans here? I agree. Lockstep with Connor. I like the team total for both, especially the giants. We're hearing out here that Daniel Jones is going to play. They expect him to play. I don't see how you lay the points with the Rams. I mean, even if you think the Rams are going to dominate this game, how about a backdoor cover? Danny Jones has done that many times, drives right down the field. He's mobile so he can pick up yards and chunks. Um, I would probably take the points with the Giants if I had to make a pick, but I love that team total for the Giants. I think they get there no problem. Rams are going to put up points coming off the long week, uh, you know, it, it, to me, I think the Giants with Shepard back, Tony was more impressive. I agree with you, Connor. I wasn't high on him, but he was impressive. No Barkley, I guess. But with Jones back, I think it's pretty safe. Ten is just too many points here to give on the road. I mean, Arizona went to Jacksonville, and if it wasn't for that horrific flea flicker pick six, Jacksonville would have covered that. So the Giants can't cover ten in, in the Meadowlands against the Rams. I think they can. This was available in the look-aheads at six and a half. Uh, I tossed it in the – in a teaser with a couple of the other, um, you know, some big dogs that are playing against the NFC East this week. They were all right around six and a half or seven. So that was a nice little one and obviously got steamed up. But yeah, we, we can take advantage of this now, I think, if uh, Danny Jones is coming. So I, I don't know that I I don't love the 10. I definitely am. It's, it's Giants or nothing at this point for sure. But I think the way to get the advantage here is to, to take that team total on the Giants side. I think it is is a little too light. This is a nice little stretch for the Rams. Giants, Lions, and Texans for the next three after a big division win on the road. So uh, Giants, Lions, and Texans. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start to pull away pretty quickly. So well played, sir. Uh, next we have uh Giants. Or I'm sorry. The uh, Packers on the road against the bears bears catching five at home. 45 is the total. The uh, kicking in that Packers game was really something else. Mason Crosby tried his best to move the Packers to three and two, but they head to Chicago winners of four straight. Uh, the Rodgers-Adams combo continues to be the best in the league. Absolutely dynamic. Uh, hard to really stop. Chicago showed up, played pretty well against the Raiders in Las Vegas. I mean, I don't know what to really make of that game. I think maybe there was some just fog hanging over the Raiders, obviously, as kind of the week has gone on. I, I don't really know. I don't, I'm just not a big believer in the Bears. I, I don't think that they're a good football team, even though there are some positive metrics here. They are really neutering. Justin Fields so far, not really letting him do anything, which is troubling. Uh, Mike, any leans on this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay. Packers have won 9-10 against Chicago. Chicago 31st in pass uh, defense DVOA, no good. Justin Fields, hyperextended knee. Uh, nice win by Chicago against the Raiders, but no David Montgomery still. Packers started getting their defense going a little bit, had three sacks against Cincinnati. It's another weak offensive line with Chicago. In the four games without Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator against Rodgers, Green Bay has been 4-0. They won both games last year by an average of 17.5 points, and they scored 38. I saw a great stat from J.J. Zacharyson at FanDuel today. Devontae Adams has 45 targets over the last three weeks. The entire Bears team has 57 targets. The pass <laughs> offense is no good. Green Bay 4-1 and one against the spread. They have to contain fields, but I think they will. And I also love the under here because the Bears are 4-1 and one to the under, and Green Bay plays at that absolute snail pace in neutral game scripts. I mean, Rodgers will just take that clock down to one every time. I thought for sure they were going to go over against Cincinnati, and they did not for that reason. So I'm on Green Bay here on the road. It was a nice win by Chicago. I'm not going two in a row. And I think just Rodgers has his way with that secondary. Kind of agree with you there. Uh, Connor, thoughts here? Yeah, for me, it's it's kind of lean towards the under. And I, when looking at this game, you guys talked about it. Right now, the the Packers playing at the nine or the third slowest pace. The Bears playing at the the ninth slowest pace. Uh, and this this Packers defense, I think, could cause a little bit of issues for Fields, as you mentioned. The Bears are thirty first in offensive, you know, DVOA overall. Um, and with with you kind of like narrow that to when Fields is at the quarterback at quarterback twenty uh, fifth in offensive EPA. Uh, and if we want to cherry pick. 
um, the last like whatever two weeks, they're 14th. So it's a little bit better, a little bit more efficient, but that also includes a game against Detroit, who's you know really, really bad. Uh, and so I, but just in general, though, I mean, he's thrown 20, 17, and 20 pass attempts in his three starts. Uh, they've been running the ball, you know, jamming it with Khalil Herbert and uh, um, Damian Williams. So it's, it's just really, I think that that's going to be their game plan heading into this one. Kind of keep Fields as a game manager and try and grind out another win against Green Bay. And then while the Packers are just going to kind of do whatever the Packers want to do, you know. And so well, you're going to see a ton of low volume. Like the first half under might be the play because there, there might just be like five combined drives between the two of them. Um, or just a lot of punts. I, I don't really see this game scoring many points. And the only way that we see Fields open it up is if they could fall down by like 21 or more points, which I think it might take them a while to do that. And that's the issue is that you, that might not happen until like the mid-fourth quarter. So. Yeah, Con- Connor, to that point, like, what is the identity of the Bears? Khalil Herbert had more <laughs> rushes than Damian Williams. They're yeah. not using Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney gets unlocked occasionally. Where's Cole Komet? I, it just it seems disjointed. Fields got hurt. I, it just doesn't seem like it's it's a recipe to beat the Packers. No, and they're three two somehow. Yeah, yep. I mean they're just playing like literally like run heavy and then like some play action and then like yeah. hoping that Fields can be efficient on that play action. And I mean sometimes he is, but not enough like he's not russell wilson you know what i mean like that's that's kind of what they need him to be and he's he's not that there might be something to the knee injury too i mean they're not he's not running at all um there's no design runs he's not even really scrambling well which is interesting to see too which you could sometimes see when you have a rookie quarterback that has that skill set when things kind of fail maybe the first look maybe he gets to his second read you know sometimes they will tuck and run maybe even sometimes to the detriment of the offense but he's we're not even seeing that so there may be something there with Fields not being 100%, which is interesting too. We obviously saw more Khalil Herbert than we were expecting. Uh, you know, Williams started the game. He handled 79% of the snaps in the game within three points. But then when they got up a little bit, it was like Khalil Herbert was like the clock melter. Like, I, I don't understand what's going on. So I agree with Mike. I, this is a tough stretch for the Bears too. Green Bay at Tampa Bay, San Francisco at Pittsburgh, the next four. So three and two, they're probably heading in their bye uh, with a, you know, three and six i think that is so not great for the bears um this is not gonna be a fun one to watch even though there's a uh, alleged rivalry there that one side owns historically all right so cincinnati on the road against the lions cincinnati laying three and a half here uh 48 is the total both clubs lost to last second field goals in week five lions couldn't get anything going offensively though they did limit minnesota's offense especially when in scoring position they put them in position i loved how they were aggressive late went for that two-point conversion um your own four no one expects you to do anything it's beautiful like, don't kick the extra point so unfortunately they couldn't hold on um Bengals had a few chances to put it away obviously had a little bit of that uh you know nick young thing with uh evan mcpherson celebrating the uh the missed field goal which you hate to see they should have put that game, that game away earlier too. But uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here on the Bengals laying three and a half on the road? Um, yeah, I'm pretty interested in this as being like potentially Joe Burrow's like awakening game where he just like absolutely explodes potentially. Uh, I mean, his line secondary, as we talked about, you know, brutal. They're they're one of the bottom five in DVOA and EPA. Um, you know, bottom three in EPA, I believe. Um, and as a friend of the show, John Daigle's pointed out on Twitter, the past two weeks, the Bengals are second in the league in new, neutral game pass rate after going extremely run heavy to start the year. Uh, Joe Mixon, while he's getting healthier, I don't think that he's at full health, just played a little over 20% of the snaps last week. Uh, and, you know, at this point, uh, I'm not really sure that they're willing to fully ride him. So I, I think that this could be a great spot for the Bengals to go pass heavy against a brutal Detroit secondary. My only concern would be that their pass rush has actually been okay. Uh, I mean, they look actually pretty good in a bunch of metrics. Uh, and so, unfortunately, you know, that could be a downfall, but I still think that just kind of opening it up, going five wide, you know, being able to sling it around a little bit. And Burrow looks more comfortable, like, just week after week. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty interested in him. You can get him right now 22 to 1 to lead uh, Sunday passers in passing yards. Uh, I took a little bit of action on that. Uh, he was, like, the 10th or 11th highest odds among all quarterbacks, and we have projected for, like, the sixth most passing yards. So I thought it was pretty good value there. Interesting. Uh, Mike, any leans on this one? I like the underdog at home. If this it got to the point where it's three and a half, which is great, I I was going to take it at three. Lions are getting the majority of the money, but the Bengals are getting two to one on the bets. Lions three and two against the spread. They're two and zero at home. They should have beaten Minnesota last week. That Bengals offensive line is still an issue, and Campbell's team is getting almost three sacks per game at home. 
Bengals get gassed by the, the pass catching running back. So DeAndre Swift, who's having a fantastic season, I think is going to be hot again. It's a gut play here. I think the Lions will play tough. I'm not ready to lay three and a half points with the Bengals on the road. Everything Connor said is true. I just think this team responds for Dan Campbell. I like getting points with a, with a home team. Detroit three and two to the under as well. So give me the Lions with the points, and and maybe they get they get the win that they're looking for here. I just I'm a little leery of the Bengals laying those points on the road, even though their passing game has been lethal. And he mentioned about Joe Mixon. You know, Joe Mixon out is never going to be a good thing. This is a little narrative driven, but like it's like the opposite of what's going on in Jacksonville, right? You get that vibe, yes. like yes. they, they like totally. love. I you right. know we like this guy in the preseason and like the you know, he's a little bit off the beaten path, but I feel like the team loves this guy and he's there's something to it i mean uh, you know the emotion obviously shown last week in the in the post game presser which is like you know you you want to create some cohesion in an own five locker room like just be real and that seems like who that dude is so all that we've seen so far from him like that makes a lot of sense to me and i think a team like this that's kind of a young squad that has some upside like i think they probably respond pretty well to that. I don't know that that means that they take care of business here. I don't really have any liens. I think I'll probably attack this in props. I like the Swift call a lot. This Jamar Chase usage is insane. Um, almost an 18-yard average depth of target. He's seeing 51% of the team's air yards, which is absolutely insane. Like this, Ryan, this, we just wait for the bomb. Just sit and wait for the bomb to, to Jamar Chase. It happens every week. And the Lions are giving up the highest rate of explosive pass plays on the season. So like it's happening again. There's no reason this train stopping. The T Higgins usage is almost like Tyler Boyd usage. Like his A dot's a little deeper, but it's nowhere close to what's going on with Chase and how he's used. So yeah, because as soon as Chase gets like even even with the corner and there's no safety over the top, like Burrow just throws these long lofting balls, knowing that Chase the last second is going to separate. And he does it literally every week. It's like they're neck and neck, and then just darts in front. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you know where he gets these random afterburners from, but he's just like that much more athletic than everyone else. Yeah, it's almost like they know each other pretty well and didn't have to worry about any of that preseason stuff. So, uh, Also on the Detroit side, uh, Quintus Cephas out with a broken collarbone. Looks like Amon Ross St. Brown. I saw a pretty significant like bump last week. Cleve Raymond was basically on that Henry Ruggs, um, you know, Valdez-Scantling uh, situation where he's just running track routes out there, um, you know, running deep, not really seeing a lot of targets. Uh, St. Brown saw a pretty nice little – little bump in uh, routes run and targets. So maybe there's something to be said there um, as far as tacking this, uh, this Bengals secondary. The Bengals have seen a really easy schedule. I know we talked about like teams like the Panthers seeing a really light schedule to start. This, this schedule for the, the Bengals has been really soft too. So they can take advantage. They put themselves in nice little spots to make a run here at the playoffs as things tighten up down the stretch. So uh, they'll probably need this one to get that one done. So this one should be, should be interesting. All right. Next in the AFC South, we have Houston on the road against the Colts Colts. Nine and a half point favorites at home. 43 is the total. Indy back at home for the first time since week two. And the gift that awaits them here is the Texans. Both of these clubs nearly gave me a heart attack last weekend. Um, I had a fairly decent sized money line parlay that first needed the Patriots to win. That was really painful and almost uh, devastating to not only uh, lose the money line parlay. I don't typically, I'm a Patriots fan. I don't typically bet my team, but I thought we were pretty safe at home against the Texans. That was uh, quite the sweat. And then the final leg was on Baltimore on Monday night. I nearly turned that off and went to bed after my Red Sox take, took care of the Rays, but uh, hung with it. I was rewarded for it. Uh, now these two clubs meet up. I don't know that the Colts should be nine and a half point favorites against anyone. And I also don't know what number I would need to back the Texans. This is a complete stay away from a sides and total standpoint for me, Mike. Are there any leans that you can convince me on? Yeah, I'm going with it. I call this a MOG game, guys. Mother of God game. I think the Colts <laughs> are going to come out and pound the Texans because the knee-jerk reaction with recency bias is going to say, well, wait a minute. The Texans almost beat the Patriots at home. Now they're going to get nine points against the Colts. I'll grab it. I think the Colts are going to be an issue in this division between before all is said and done. The overwhelming favorite to win this division in the preseason. I remember seeing a FanDuel, Tennessee was getting like 96% of the bets. People think it's a fait accompli, no problem. No, I think the Colts are, are going to come on strong. Jonathan Taylor is now getting involved in the passing game. His prop last week was 12 and a half receiving yards. Got that right away. I think they're going to pound the Texans. I don't trust Davis Mills on the road. Texans on the road this year, let's realize, at the Browns, they lost by 10, but Tyrod started that game and really got him the league. 
the lead, and then they got destroyed by the Bills. I think this is going to be a comfortable win for the Colts, and I do think that Vegas is sort of setting it up here in some way for people to pick, pick the Texans because of what happened last week. But the Colts, you can argue for a letdown. I understand that. I think it's going to be the reverse. I think they're angry. They should have beat the Ravens. I think they come out here and win comfortably against the Texans at home. Someone's got to win the division. Uh, you know, <laughs> front of the show, Evan Silva, I know, went pretty hard on a Colts uh, division win here about this week. Uh, Connor, are you tailing that? you have any conviction here? Mike made a pretty strong case. I mean, the Texans are terrible. We've talked a lot about, like, what number you, would we take them or what we need to have to take them with any conviction. Yeah. Um, and then the Colts are a team that we've been shorting all preseason. Uh, they obviously showed really well. They did whatever they wanted for three quarters against the Ravens. Yeah, they it was played really well. Really, really well. I mean, yeah. Their offensive game plan, I thought particularly, was just like really, really impressive. It seemed like that they were doing everything right. Like, you know, they're passing short when they needed to pass short, you know, running outs where they needed to. Like, it was just like everything was clicking for them finally. Um, and that's encouraging, I think, going forward for them. And especially heading into this game, as Mike said, like, you know, if, if that's the offense that we see there, then, you know, I mean, the Colts are going to drop 30 plus easily. Um, and so I think that the team total there regardless is interesting, but again, like for me, I think that the, the Colts defense is a little bit of a problem. Uh, Davis Mills just showed out against the Patriots, you know, with so many things going against him. I mean, like he, he went from, you know, being like arguably the worst starting quarterback in, in recent memory to, you know, looking like Drew Brees against your Patriots. And, and, and I, I don't know, I don't know where that came from, how that happened, but I mean, literally no name guys were just burning the pats and. I couldn't believe my eyes. I think it was probably the most surprising thing of the season, actually, to date in terms of outliers. Um, and it's definitely not something that I'm willing to bet on. Again, um, I think that depending on what his props come out, of, I'm actually probably going to be looking to come back the other way on some unders um, after he's just been, you know, free money to start the year on that. So, yeah, I'm definitely buying that as an outlier. Um, I think the Colts look better. If anything, I'd probably lean towards the over. But, again, I, I don't think that 10 points is a lot. I don't think that 10, the Colts would be 10 points favorites on anyone right now. So, um, yeah, I'll probably lean towards the under on, on that. If you're the Colts, guys, the only thing I'd say is this. If the Bills beat the Titans and you win this game, you are still one game back. I know Tennessee has beaten them once already, but the Colts still have them in their building. So just something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, tough matchup for the Titans, too, this week. They, you know, go, they're facing you know, Buffalo's coming to town. That's going to be a tough one. So you got to take advantage of this game against the Texans if you're going to put yourself in a position to, to take care of business here. So only good thing I like seeing – with uh, with the Colts is Michael Pittman continues to emerge as an absolute alpha. Um, T. Y. Hilton's back this week. It doesn't matter. This is you know Michael Pittman is is the guy here and continue to make plays. And um, the Jonathan Taylor thing is so frustrating. Like you know I know that Connor and I got burned early in the season. I know at least I did a couple times on overs that felt way too low on Jonathan Taylor's receiving yard props, like 12 and a half, 13 and a half. And we see what happens. Like. Sometimes they just don't throw him the ball. Then all of a sudden, like he's not in any long down and distance or third down stuff, and Marlon Mack's involved. And it's like it's not even Naheem Hines. Like there's there's been such little predictability. As good as he was the other night, he only caught three balls. Like how is that not part of your game plan? I know Frank Wright is, is someone that we think is sharp. Like how are we not getting five to six high efficiency targets to Jonathan Taylor every single game? It doesn't make any any sense to me. But uh, what do I know? Just some dude on a podcast and, uh, you know, he's an NFL coach, but it, uh, it boggles my mind because that number will always jump out, Mike, like 12 and a half for Jonathan Taylor. He needs to catch one ball and maybe have some space. Well, I think Mar I think Marlon Mack being showcased to, to, to get traded. Also, Marlon Mack highlighted the year maybe that he found his way into the Millie maker on that particular game. He snuck in there with that run at the end of the uh, end of the game for FanDuel. Wow. Absolutely wild. Yeah. All right. This next one's going to be a lot of fun. Chargers on the road. Against the Ravens, Ravens three-point favorites at home, fifty-one and a half is the total. Should have a lot of, a uh, lot of plays up in pace for both these squads. I was big on Nick Chubb's rushing yards uh, last week. Kareem Hunt went over his total as well, due in large part to what we talked about last week: the intentional light box, seven-man box scheme by Brandon Staley. Uh, he's sharp, right? We've talked about it. He's a, a football nerd's wet dream, right? He knows what matters, and they know that. Running the football uh, doesn't matter very much, and eventually you're going to have to beat us through the air. So they will allow you to run the football. Um, they did try to mix it up a little bit. They went a little bit more stack box and seven-man box against the Browns than they typically do. Still, though, they were absolutely gashed. They're 31st in run DDVOA on the season, 31st in success rate allowed, and adjusted line yards as well. 
They're daring you to run. Uh, Baltimore, not nearly as run-heavy as they've been in the past, but they also don't have Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt back there. It's some serious, dusty running backs. But I think we see maybe Lamar tuck and run on a couple of RPOs this week, and uh, I'm interested in his rushing over. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this game? It's going to be a fun one. I think there's going to be some some playoff um you know, implications here down the road as far as like seating and stuff. I like the Chargers here, guys. Their offense is lethal. We're all celebrating the Mike Williams, uh, Devontae Parker fifth-year breakout. I mean, what is he, PPR wide receiver <laughs> two right now? I think the Browns are just unique, and they brought a level of physicality and the rushing attack. It's like a throwback team here in a in a 2021 offense that's dominated by passing in the NFL. But I think Brandon Staley will adjust. I would have liked the Ravens if they did not play the Browns the week before. He's going to have some sort of adjustment. I think it's going to be a big day for the rushing attack. I get that. But a lot of what the Chargers do is what Indianapolis does. Screens, intermediate area of the field, Austin Eckler, stuff like that. And that's exactly what the Colts were able to do to attack the Ravens. So I like the points here that I'm getting. The Chargers have been a road team for the last couple of years because, you know, the issues with the home field advantage that may or may not be there. They played well. They played well against the Chiefs. I think Staley is going to find a way to limit LJ and Marquise Brown, who's been fantastic. And like you said, this is not a vintage Ravens rushing attack. So the Chargers found a way to beat a Browns team with two guys who were dominating them. I think Staley adjusts. I think a little bit of a letdown for a big comeback for the Ravens. I like the Chargers here. I like it. We took a uh, position just before the show on uh, Austin Eckler's over on receiving yards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the Ravens have been – gashed all year they're 29th and past DV away to the running back position giving up 11 i'm sorry seven catches in a league high 67 and a half receiving yards to the position it's a big austin eckler game incoming here um connor what are your thoughts here yeah i like that eckler one i i whatever hugged it on discord so i'm definitely i, I rolled that as well um i think that's, that's a great uh it's a great bet but i i think the big one of the biggest stories here is that the ravens defense has really not been all that good just 22nd right now in DVOA. Uh, now matching up against the Chargers offense, seventh and all of the DVOA. And I think that they're actually going to continue to only get better. Um, and But if you look just strictly at the metrics, Chargers right now, 18th defensive EPA, Ravens 22nd, Chargers seventh and offensive EPA, Ravens ninth. So I really think a Chargers team that's better in both categories. Um, I, I think that they're probably the play here, even you know at Baltimore technically. Um, for me, though, I'll probably just stick to player props. I think that, like you said, there's some edges especially with Lamar, it's very strange to see them not being able to, you know, like establish a running game, like especially like a smash mouth running game. But I think the running back, like they, I think they've almost proven that running backs kind of matter like a little bit, you know what I mean? Like just like when you're that bad at running back, like Latavius like can't hit a hole, you know what I mean? Like he is just so bad. Like Tyson Williams, you know, like would look, looks like adequate and he's, you know, a, the biggest nobody ever, but he got like benched, you know what I mean? He got, he got became a healthy scratch for guys like him and Devonta Freeman. So anyways, I digress. Don't need to get into the running backs. Don't matter argument, but still, well, Le'Veon Bell can't even get off the practice squad. Yeah. Like, I mean, they just need someone who's like competent. They, they do need to trade for Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack would crush in this offense. Yeah. Any, any, yeah. Marlon Mack would be perfect, but you have like Marlon Mack, you got like Melvin Gordon, but these teams are both kind of, they're kind of going for playoff positions. Like, yeah, it's hard for them to necessarily give up depth. I mean, Mack, they probably don't need, but um, yeah, I get the point for sure. This is going to be a good one. I, I, I lean over on the total. It's a little high, uh, 51 and a half. Like I feels just a little bit on the wrong side of a key number. But again, like I think that there's a spot where this game gets up in pace pretty significant. Like, again, this is not your father's Chargers team. This is not Anthony Lynn here. They're playing at a really quick pace in neutral situations. And, the you know, again, Baltimore is passing more. On neutral situations, they're not like the slow grinded out. Although they've always kind of played quick, even though they ran it a lot, like they're throwing like 9% more neutral situations than last year. So there's a lot of things that kind of push this one forward from a, a just raw plays perspective. So another bet I took on this uh, was uh, that our, you know, one of our subs and, and friends, Dalton Cates, pointed out Mike Williams 31 to 1 uh, to lead Sunday in receiving yards. Hmm. Um, and I mean, he was just second last week. And you know, has been seeing a massive target share. Great, you know, pretty solid matchup here against the Ravens defense, which is not as good as we, we anticipated. Like, paced up game, I think that a 30 to 1 or more, you know, that's, I mean, that's some nice value. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, Arizona on the road against the Browns. The Browns are two and a half point favorites at home. 
50 is the total here. Uh, Arizona heading to Cleveland as the last undefeated team in the league. Uh, definitely didn't look the part last week against Niners. Uh, really kind of an ugly game for them. Uh, Browns offense got it going, like we just said, in a big way last week. A couple of disappointing efforts against the Bears and Vikings, and then just come out and you know hang a ton of points in a losing effort, though, last week. I mean, Baker played well, threw for 301, no turnovers. They ran it for 222 yards. Um, they have to replicate that here against Arizona. Uh, dead last in rushing success rate allowed on the season or the highest and dead last explosive run rate on the season. So I think we're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb again this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Mike? Browns dropped from third to 12th in overall DVOA after this Chargers game, but I think that's an anomaly. They're that throwback team. They're going to pound the ball with Arizona. And I really like Cleveland here. We saw last year, guys, when Kyler Murray is hurt, he is a different level quarterback. I use the Rotobiz game splits app. In the 15 games that Kyler Murray got over 25 rushing yards in his career, he have, has averaged 29.6 fantasy points per game. In the six games that he's gotten less than 25 rushing yards, he's down to 20 fantasy points. That's a nine-point difference. Uh, he's got about 50 less passing yards as well. And when he rushes, it's usually because he's hurt. I think he was hit. Rodney Hudson's going to be out for this game. As their center, he's really done a great job coming over from the Raiders. As soon as he went out, Bosa hit Murray, and that's his throwing shoulder. I think they're going to be cautious with him. I know it's not his legs, but if he has a hurt shoulder, they're not going to have him running around. And when Murray can't scramble like he normally does, they really suffer. I think the Browns are going to play really well here. I think they're legit. I think they have a situation where they bring something that's different than any other team. Baker Mayfield's arm looked fine. I think Stefanski was trying to throw us off there because that Hail Mary, like he said, 300 yards and that Hail Mary certainly seemed fine there. He's going to connect with Odell Beckham at some point. The bets are about 50-50, but heavy money coming in on Cleveland. I like the Browns here. Arizona should have lost probably once. And if Jimmy G was quarterback in that game last week, they'd probably lose to San Francisco, as hard as that is to believe. So I think they finally get they get the L here, and, and uh, the Dolphins pop the champagne, as they always do. I'll take the Browns. <laughs> I almost took the three in the look-aheads, but I waited and, and got a two-and-a-half as, as, as soon as it popped. Uh, so I'm with you there. Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you guys you guys said it mostly. I think uh, Cleveland's going to re- lean on the run against a uh, run deficient, you know, defense, and that uh, they're in a good spot here to probably take advantage of that, especially with Kyler Murray banged up. Uh, I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. I think if Kyler was you know fully healthy, um, you know, I think this would be a little bit of a different game here if they could get the Browns out of that you know game script or just not being able to lean on the run as much. But um, I, I still think that you know some Nick Trump, Chubb props will be interesting and lean Browns at two and a half for sure. Chandler Jones likely out with this one too, dealing with some COVID symptoms. That's another feather in our cap here, uh, backing the Browns. Uh, little nugget too. Nice little spike in usage last week for Rondell Moore. Seemed to come at the expense of Christian Kirk as well. Spike in routes run, targets, and air yard share. Uh, Connor and I were discussing this earlier. Could be a nice spot for him too. Weather might be a factor. It looks like there's a decent amount of wind projected here. So someone like Moore who works, you know, in a lower A dot than someone like. Christian Kirk or even an A.J. Brown, the way that they use him, I could see a nice little game for, for Rondell Moore in a game where we're anticipating some negative game script, Connor. Yeah, quick uh, quick weather note here, you know, based on as someone who used to write a weather article each week. Um, <laughs> winds do, wind speed does not matter until 15 miles per hour. From 15 to 20, quarterbacks' yards per attempt drop by about like half a yard per attempt, you know, to 0.2 to half, which is not a ton. After 20 miles per hour, it drops by about two full yards per attempt. So, you know, those are the games where you can be like, you can actually make a big adjustment. Right now we're projecting right at 20 miles per hour. So this is going to be a game day decision where you need to look and see what's going on, see if there's gusts of wind up to like in the 25, 30 range, because obviously that can impact the ball flight as well. Um, And this impacts, uh, you know, their game plan. These are, go back to last season, you saw this Browns team in two consecutive win, two or three consecutive win games there where they literally just ran the ball and scored, I think, 10 points or fewer in both contests. So. Um, you know, I think that that probably is not in play given the how severe the weather was there, but something closer to that is definitely in play if the winds are like 25 or more miles per hour. Like it. Uh, don't you miss that weather article? Absolutely not. It was awful. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I mean, it's like a non-weatherman talking about weather. Like, I don't, didn't know shit. Just had to research, you know. I had to find research to make myself know something. Um, yeah, but I mean, most of the game is like sunny and like, Four mile per hour wind. Like, what am I writing about? I know, our dome games. Yeah. What a waste well, of time. <laughs> they paid you for it. So, that's the checks, buddy. 
All right, next, Dallas on the road against New England. Uh, Dallas, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I don't can't remember too many times in the last 20-plus years where New England was catching three-and-a-half at home. Fifty-and-a-half is the total. Cowboys won four straight, perfect against the spread so far this season. Offense has really started to click. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. They have been playing really well. They hadn't really hit in some of those splash plays in the passing game, but obviously it hit last week against a depleted Giants defense. Uh Offense we kind of thought was going to be this, but we didn't necessarily think they were going to be top six defense, both in DVOA and EPA per play so far. Trayvon Diggs basically looks like a wide receiver out there playing DB, uh, which he basically was. I mean, he was, you know, DB at or, you know, tried to be a receiver at Alabama and then they moved him over to defense. Uh, you can see those ball skills in a massive, massive way. Pass rush, they're still going to have to iron out if they're going to be a real contender. And when we get down into, you know, January and February, but they're a problem now. Mike, uh, thoughts here? I like the Patriots getting points at home. Okay. I, I, everyone is going to jump on Dallas here. Dallas always gets the majority of bets. This number is low, I understand, but I think Belichick is going to scheme it. Coming off of Houston, no one's going to take them here. I think he unleashes Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones can attack this Dallas defense. Belichick will always come up with something to limit the, the opposition. You saw when they played Tampa Bay, they said it was their casinos were saying it was their biggest decision outside of a Super Bowl. In this situation, again, I think he's undervalued. I expect him to keep it close, maybe even pull the upset. Mac Jones can hit some players. Jacoby Myers is going to score a touchdown, guys. It's going to happen at some point. And I do, and uh, the fact that there's uncertainty at the running back position, Damian Harris fumbled again, Ramondre Stevenson, I think allows Belichick to open up the offense a little bit. I think he'll do some things to slow down the Cowboys. Uh, give me the points in the Patriots at home, like you said, Ryan. I uh, like it. Uh, we haven't seen enough. Like Mac's been good. He's been better than maybe even expected, but um, feel like they still have had the chains on him a little bit. So I would love to see a spot where they can kind of let it go. And like you said, there's there's the fault of this Dallas defense is a lack of pass rush. So if they do decide to do that, he should have a clean pocket to work with. Uh, Connor, any leans on the spot? Um, I mean, I think that the total just in general seems a little bit high. Um, I, I think that this, you know, Patriots defense is probably pretty good, you know, even after what we saw last week. And then the Patriots offense, uh, I know you guys are a little bit confident. I mean, Dallas defense right now is sixth in EPA, as you mentioned, and New England offense right now, 24th in DVOA, 29th in EPA. Um, and I mean, they just haven't had too much explosiveness. And I, I just don't think that they're, you know, quite as good. As you know, I would have I would have thought they've been better, just to be honest. I think that they're a little bit below average and right now. Um, and so given the matchup and given how good Dallas' defense has played, I think that their team total at over 22 and a half is or 23 and a half, you know, is a little bit too high. I'd lean under there. I think that they're more likely to be in the 20 to 23 range rather than like 24 to 27. Um, I mean, barring a track meet here, which I guess is very possible with uh Dallas. But you know, given how good Dallas' defense has played, I'm willing to you know consider some Patriots unders and continue to own Noonan, you know, that, that, I mean, that's my only goal is just make sure that the Patriots and he's as miserable as possible for the next 20 years after being very happy for the past 20 years. Can't take away the rings, man. Can't take yeah. Can't take them away. Um, you know, we re if we remove that uh, game one against the Buccaneers, which obviously they were almost exclusively a pass heavy team. Um, they basically been like one of the run heaviest teams in the league. Like they are, mm -hmm. And they're doing it really well. Uh, they're top three in rushing DVOA, success rate, explosive run rate. That's very similar to, you know, Brandon Staley. Patriots will let you run the football. They also run uh, a lot of – they play a lot of man. They run a lot of single high safety. Uh, and they will let you run the football if you're willing to do so. So I'm interested to see how they change things up here, knowing how it seems Dallas wants to play. Um, in hindsight, wasn't it wild, Connor? We sat in Vegas the night of that Thursday night football game. And Mike, you remember Amari Cooper goes off, right? Goes off. Insane. Mm -hmm. Connor, friend John Daigle, some other Joe Pano. They have a they have a high stakes FFPC draft in the morning. And these clowns are trying <laughs> to to tell me that all of a sudden, because we have one Amari Cooper game in the bank, that Amari Cooper is now a first round pick. Even though he'd been a fourth round pick all draft season. That, that was not me. That was not me. That was not me. That Some was the Dave. People, I had the okay. I had the opportunity of picking um, Saquon Barkley or Amari Cooper in the second round, 
And I said, we picked Saquon. We had the opportunity to pick Diggs or CeeDee Lamb or Cooper in the first round, which is where Cooper Cooper was going in the first and second round in FFBC main events after that game, and we passed. So, you know what? The receipts matter, dude. The receipts matter. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> One of the other people I mentioned, a prominent member of our industry. They, they took him. Yeah. He felt he wanted to take – they took him in the second round. He didn't feel good about it. He wanted to take him in the first round. Clown show. I mean, what what a devastating pick. I mean, I tried to tell him it was game plan dependence, but uh, yeah, it's a it's okay, it's okay. Uh, things happen. We all make mistakes. Um, yeah, I, I'll have nothing on this game. I'll probably get into to some props. I I don't know why we had six routes run from Jonas Smith last week, uh, unless he's not healthy. Um, that's really curious to me. Um, and I'd love to see Nelson Aguilar get going. Uh, like Mike said, if we're going to start to see a little bit of Matt Jones get unleashed, we're going to have to see the Aguilars uh, and Jonas Smith start to, you know, help Jacoby Myers, you know, carry the, the torch here a little bit. It's been kind of too much of a one-man show. And I don't know that Jacoby Myers is that guy. I feel like he's a, a nice secondary piece, but I don't know that he's that guy. Yeah, one of my favorite stats, guys. Hunter Henry, one of the only players in the NFL who has improved their fantasy points in each and every week. He's gone from tight end 26 to tight end 24, tight end 18, tight end 11, tight end 5. So, of course, I'm banking on the tight end one performance this week. Right? Let's, let's get it. Trend. Hashtag trend. I love it. <laughs> All right, next. AFC West tilts. Las Vegas on the road against the Broncos. Broncos laying forward home. 44 and a half is the total. Obviously, a very turbulent week for the Raiders to say the least uh, uncertainty around the organization on Monday had moved this off the three to four uh, on Denver side. Both these clubs get off to a only three starts have lost two straights, really disappointing offensive showing for the Raiders last week against a pretty average bears defense that we discussed earlier. Denver had a glaring mismatch last week against Pittsburgh, Denver giving up the most pressure in the league and uh, Pittsburgh took advantage. I don't know if the Raiders can. Um, I like Denver here, Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I like Denver. Sometimes the Raiders get frisky in Denver, the old AFC West battles. New coaching change. You want to say they rally rally at Denver on the road against a really good Vic Fangio coach team that really hung around against Pittsburgh. They were hanging there. They were shorthanded. Corlett Sutton enrolled his ankle, but he played very well. Uh, Javante Williams is going to be unleashed at some point and take the majority of snaps here. I like Fangio at home to pressure the Raiders. I don't think exactly they can get the sort of pressure the Steelers did. And the Broncos still had a chance to keep that game close. I'm rolling with the home team here with Fangio and the Broncos. I like this team a lot. And they're missing Judy. They're missing KJ Hamler. But give me a big game from Noah Fant and give me a Broncos win. Yeah, I love it. Albert O set to miss some time. So we could have that – Long-awaited Noah Fant breakout game. Uh, Raiders are giving it up too. 28th in uh, yards per drive allowed, Connor. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I agree with with you guys here. I think that Denver's the play. I mean, I think losing like Gruden long-term is probably like a net positive for this organization. Uh, I mean, he's consistently been, you know, a clown, I think, coaching-wise. And whatever uh, decisions he's been speaking into Mayock's ear about his first-round picks have just been an utter disaster to this point. Um, but you know, in the short term, like when you lose your head coach, I think that there's probably going to cause some level of dysfunction in terms of like game planning, strategy, decision making processes, you know, like that a lot, a lot of that changes, you know, regardless of whether what Gruden was saying was good or not. You know, I think that his input, you know, without it is a little bit different and that's going to change some things and how the players react, how the coaches react and the staff reacts to that. And not to mention, I'm sure plenty of them are thinking about this thinking about all the emails that they could have sent to Gruden and how they might get canned next or canceled. I mean, good, good luck. If you're anyone in the NFL, I mean, Schefter almost got, you know, canceled earlier today too, for whatever. I mean, what, what was that? Dawn, dude, Scheffler is like bulletproof. It's just, yeah. I he's mean, still well, firing off tweets. He's like, yeah, yeah whatever you guys, I'm, I'm it trending. Was, it, it was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more legitimate than when Julie DeCaro tried to cancel him for, being like a misogynist for literally no reasoning and just like it was the I, if you have it was on Deadspin it was by far the worst article I've ever read in my life and it was like a straight up hit piece on Adam Schefter which is a pathetic attempt at like literally nothing like it was it was embarrassing um, but anyways go check that out if you want to you know get mad online um, <laughs> but okay actual analysis loss Raiders O now down to 27th in DVOA uh, after playing really efficient early on Denver still fifth in EPA. Uh, defensively after a relatively disappointing performance, I think, against the Steelers. But, uh, yeah, I like the Broncos here. Yeah, I think, like Mike said, Corlin Sutton been playing really well. I think this is a good spot for him. Like, these Raiders corners are just a depleted room. They're kind of small. 
I think Sutton can can emerge. And like I said earlier, Noah Fant kind of eats here too. It's interesting to see like another one of the Raiders moves, not just the draft picks, like the Kenyon Drake thing. They threw like real money at Kenyon Drake for a couple of years. And he's been like non-existent in the past yeah. couple of weeks, yeah. which is really strange. Finally, like we always try to short Josh Jacobs in like season long stuff or like, you know, props or in fantasy, but like he's starting to see a little bit of like your actual RB one type usage. If he's going to start to see some looks in the passing game, there could be something there if that kind of trend continues. But again, I, I think that there's not going to be a lot of change offensively. Like it's still be Greg Olson's offense, but like I'm interested to see kind of what evolves here um, as far as the Raiders go, but this week's kind of a stay away. We'll just kind of wait and see what happens. Tough matchup on the road anyway. So yeah. All right, next one. Last one. Seattle on the road against the Steelers. Steelers, four and a half point favorites here at home. 42 and a half is the total. Uh, this one's moved in a big way. Obviously, the Geno Smith news with Russ being out has moved this from uh, Seattle minus two and a half in the look aheads, uh, a full seven points. Pittsburgh's way, four and a half as it stands now. Sounds about right. I would think Russ, uh, especially for this team, is worth at least seven points. They have basically been surviving and playing above their heads for years due solely to the like otherworldly efficiency of, of Russell Wilson, like just this suboptimal coaching, his ability to make plays. Even when you look at like their, some of their metrics, like they're like 22nd in the league in yards per drive, but like they're a top five offensive DVOA units. They're second in pasty or, you know, passing DVOA. It's all Russ. Uh, Mike, any leans here with, uh, with Gino until. Yeah, I can't take Gino on the road. So if I can't take this, if I don't think Seattle can win, I'm just going to lay the points with Pittsburgh. A Pittsburgh defense back to an elite level. And this is a Seattle offense that wanted to skew run heavy, even with Russell Wilson in there. Now with Geno, they're really going to try to run it. And you cannot do that against Pittsburgh. Seattle only 3.7 yards per carry against that Rams defense. It allowed the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Alex Collins, 3.1 yards per carry on 15 attempts. The Carson injury is real. It's going to be here for a while, and it's a problem. TJ Watt is back. They're the seven tough, toughest run defense, but he was out for a while. I think they're much better than that. Roethlisberger started to look like his old self. I know that no Juju is there, but James Washington certainly is. They said today they're going to get Pat Fryermuth more involved, which I think is a great, great call. And I think it's going to be Najee Harris eating. He got 122 yards against a really good Denver defense. What is he going to do against the Seattle defense? I'm going to lay the points with Pittsburgh. I think they turned a corner, and I think they're back at it now, and they're starting to get the, their mojo back together and going to make a run at this division. I like it. Yeah, I think the last week you had a little bit of you know uh, magic with with Geno. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, game planning for him. This nineteen point team total for the Seahawks feels a little bit rich. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, agreed on that. I just this is one of those games where I get scared because all the metrics say that the Steelers are better and in a better position, and you know the Seahawks defense right now has not been that good. Twenty fifth in DVOA. Their offense is very likely to be bad with Geno. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of things are trending up for the Steelers, but they consistently play down to their opponents mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. spots like this. Like, I That's mean, fair. the last like 10 years, it has been oh, just yeah. like smash spot for the Steelers. They're going to go off and they'll win by like three points or they'll lose outright. And Raiders, week two, they come yeah. off the win against Buffalo. Everyone's yep. feeling pretty good about the Steelers. Yeah. All right, I mean, maybe we maybe we wrote them off too quickly. And then they, they lost just... some, some games against like the pathetic Browns teams like over the past few years, you know what I mean? Where they're like, seven to 10 point favorites at home, you know, and then just like lose, you know what I mean? Or they're the Bengals. It, it happens all the time every year and it's inexplicable. And for me, for that reason, I'm out, you know, like Con- that. Connor, how about visions of Tim Tebow to uh, Demarius Thomas? I mean, right. Oh, man. Still, that's your boy. I, I, yeah, that's, I was just literally just telling Newton yesterday. That's probably my favorite player. I mean, that's, I love Demarius Thomas, but I mean, that was a great memory for me, but exactly. That was one of those things where it's like, everything was setting up for the Steelers to probably win that game. And Tim Tebow could barely throw a ball accurately, like 10 yards, and somehow they won the game. They almost lost last year in Dallas with, like, Garrett Gilbert. Uh, they were undefeated yep. Yep. Again, in Dallas. They almost, you know, I wonder how many there are. I bet we could go through. There are a lot, man. One to two a season. At least I have a – you know, me and my buddy, Timmy, is a diehard Steelers fan. We've talked about it all the time. Like, they, they do it all the time. I lost a lot of money one year on them losing as, like, 10-point – road favorites in Miami and like a bad Dolphins team. And they just got like destroyed. Like they do it all the time. I don't know that this is that though, but I, you know, I get your point. 
Um, they can maybe do that, and, and maybe Seattle still goes on under 19. Maybe it's one of those like, yeah, like, you know, like 17 a, to 10 games if that yeah, happens. Exactly, yeah, exactly. The Seattle defense is so poor, though. To, to Mike's point, the points he made, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Juju's out, but I don't know that like that's a, you know, it's a probably a net loss for them in the season. But um, I think that they can overcome it in the short term, especially if they start to go maybe a little bit more 12 personnel. Um, or, you know, start to, you know, they get James Washington back. He's been out with injuries, start to feature a little bit more Claypool, get him on the field more. I think that they can, uh, they can do it. Maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic that this is not the week that they stub their toe, but you're right. Historically, it happens frequently. And there, and listen, the way to attack the Steelers is through the air. So if you're betting on Seattle, you're betting that Geno's going <laughs> to light it up there with DK sure. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Lockett yeah. may be banged up. I just don't see it. Listen, if Russell Wilson was there, obviously the line would be different and maybe I would like it a lot more, but he's not. And, I just – I don't know. I, I can't see it here. But uh, all, all everything you guys said is true. I mean, these are spots that T- – Tomlin is great when he's an underdog. He is not great when he's the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm certainly not – don't take that wrong. I'm definitely not backing uh, the Seahawks here. I'm just <laughs> I'm just like concerned about laying the points with the Steelers. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, just, just as someone who really spends so much time trying to bet into the early window, knowing that this was plus two and a half – I just – my brain won't allow me to lay the four-and-a-half now, knowing that I had an opportunity, you know, last Thursday, Friday to, to get on the two-and-a-half. And, a half. and uh, maybe that's a, a leak in my game, but I, I just don't like knowing that I, I lost seven points at the jump, even mm-hmm. though it's probably the, the right number or the right side now. I, I just – I can't yeah. do it structurally. But I do think, though, to Mike's point, if you ignore the historical con- context and the look headline, like you're getting literally a, a Steelers team playing at home against a backup quarterback with a bad defense. Prime time. Uh, yeah. Prime time. So, I mean, yeah, it adds up. I have one dynasty team that I took over this year that I mismanaged. It's a really rough team. <laughs> rough team. Everyone in the league is super sharp. Loaded, loaded league. Um, I don't even know why I'm in it. Um, I have Geno Smith by accident because I couldn't drop him what? to pick anyone else up. I mean, I have like Chad Henney. Like it's a loaded league. I got I got bums, but I stumbled into some Geno Smith starts here for the next couple of weeks. So. Uh, Congrats. I'm feisty, you know, I'm feisty. Uh, Guys, I'm in Fleck Leagues with Jake Seeley, and I had Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Got to be the only guy who in a super flex decided to punt on quarterback, okay? (laughs) But somehow I am four and one. Things are going well, but I don't have a quarterback this week. So, I mean, do I I empty the fab for Gino? Do I just say, you know what, I'll take the loss and come back (laughs) next week? Yeah, just punt off the buys and, you know, suck it up. (laughs) Because it's not a great spot, obviously, right. too. So, yeah, I'm not excited to start. This is a super flex, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I beat Sylvan week one, so I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully That's I beat good. Elliot when I play Elliot. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then we just build for the future. So, Mike, you're the man. I really enjoy your stuff. Uh, tell everyone where they can uh, can find you every week. Uh, Action Network, Rotoviz, Fantasy Football Mailbag drops every Thursday doing all that great stuff, doing some college basketball as well. Uh, living the dream here, folks. So just doing NFL, fantasy football, betting for Action Network, all good stuff. And on Twitter, at Randall Rand, tell me how awful I am. I love to interact. <laughs> and with your Jalen Hurts takes, he's ready for yeah, you. Yeah, I got that one wrong. I just, <laughs> God. I mean, but the guys, the thing is, you get to the fourth quarter, he's like eight points. So, I mean, is that how you want to live? Obviously, I'm trying to reverse engineer the argument here. Do you want to live for 12? Is this Blake Bortles from 2014? Is that what we have? Whatever it is, he gets there. It doesn't matter. (laughs) He's fun for the fantasy game. I don't know that he's good for the Eagles, and they have, like, every pick in the first 10 picks in the draft coming up. So, it'll be interesting to see if he can survive. But think about it, guys. He has a good first half. He's going to have, like, a 50-point week. (laughs) One of these days, he's going to smash because he's going to put it all together. Yeah, might be tomorrow night. So, it might be Thursday. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Again, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, again, you can find us on Twitter at Move the Line NFL. We'll be back on Friday for the Prop Shop Show. So for Mike and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you on Friday.